0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ipswich Basketball Podcast. I'm Rob Shatton and this week I'm back in safely behind the microphone asking the questions again after Ben Scarlett put me to the sword last week. Our guest today is Simon Drain. Simon is Ipswich Basketball's current chairman, but his interest in basketball goes much, much further back than just watching games at Copleston. We'll be talking about the NBA, about his time in local league, and about his experiences of working with and playing against his younger brother.
1: You are now listening to the Ipswich Basketball Podcast.
0: Simon Drain, Mr Chairman, uh, welcome to the Ipswich Basketball Podcast. Thank you for joining
1: us. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's great to speak to you. It's been obviously a little while since we saw each other. Just um, how are you doing at the moment? Uh, yeah, bearing, bearing up, mate. The uh, family are all doing surprisingly well, really. But um, obviously, we'd all love to get out and, and see people again. But um, we're staying the same for now, mate. How about yourselves? Excellent. Yep, same here. Thank you all safe and healthy so far. Pretty good good. Um,
0: you found time during the current lockdown to become a bit of a Twitter video sensation. <laughs> with with what? With what? It could be anything there. I, I believe you were playing the evil genius in a video casting your team. Oh, yes. Just...
1: yes, that was the. Uh, I'll show you what I mean. That was uh, my boys. Um, just they put that all together on on uh, their iPhones. But after they did it, of course, they were desperate for me to try and get a retweet or a reply from Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans obviously Captain America and Thor but um sadly we didn't get anything back that would have made their year I think but no they did a great job that it was good fun doing it as well
0: I think they both listened to the podcast so we should be able to sort that out absolutely mate yeah that <laughs> <I was> be right <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into it how did you um same question we asked to everybody else how did you get started in basketball Mine
1: was simply just, I started quite late, probably mid-teens, really. Um, but it was just, I was introduced to watching Come Fly With Me and the Michael Jordan highlight videos. Uh, and then we had a hoop set up in the back garden, which I used to play with my mates. Nick was still a little kid at this this stage. And, um, you know, was just playing the garden, dunking and all this sort of stuff. And uh, it wasn't for a couple of years, really, I guess, before I actually joined a competitive side. Um, but that's, that's um, I know it's a lot of people our age say the same thing, but it was, it was watching NBA highlights really the got side. You are,
0: I don't know if everyone will know this, some one or two people around the club might have picked it up, but you are a little bit of an NBA fan.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, especially at old school NBA, and I know everyone says that about their own generation, but um, old school NBA, some of these old 90s series with the the Bulls and the Knicks and teams like that, even early 2000s with the Lakers and stuff, they were the, they were the good old days. I think it's, it's a little bit too powder puff for my liking these days. But um, playoffs are still great though, mate. Regular season, it's lost a little bit, I'm afraid. It's lost a little bit of interest in that. But the, but the playoffs are usually pretty fantastic.
0: I think that's a fairly common conception about the NBA. What, what do you think when you watch a game from... 2020 to compare it to the year 2000, for instance, what do you think has changed about the NBA?
1: Well, again, Robert, I know it's what everyone says who's old enough to remember, but it's just the, the physicality. And I'm not saying you should go around taking people's heads off and stuff like that. And certainly you should never try and injure someone. But the, the way it's so soft these days, there's, it, it just seems, the, the game has also changed so much. Uh, in terms of, obviously, the three-pointer, you know, there's, there's no real centres in the league anymore. Uh, so, it's so difficult to compare eras, but I just personally found it, watching the playoffs in the 90s and the early 2000s, it seemed like every possession counted. Whereas now, because of the three-point shot as well, and it's so soft, it's just they can rack up points so quickly and so easily. And of course, you know, it's got to be getting on for half of the shots of threes now. and I just find that dull, I'm afraid.
0: Most people around IBC will have seen you wandering around Cobblestone at some point wearing your Chicago Bulls hat.
1: Yeah. How much are you enjoying The Last Dance? Uh, I think it's the best sport documentary I've ever seen. Um, but then I'm biased, obviously. But it's obviously, it's, it's like a trip down memory lane for me because I remember those days very clearly. And I remember I've still got you know, video clips and magazines from back in those days of actually when those things they're talking about were happening. Of course, I went to see the Bulls play in 1997 twice at the United Centre as well. So it holds a quite a nice little, um, you know, place in my heart, so to speak, really. But it's not surprising. and Nothing on the documentary is surprising me because that's sort of what I knew was going on anyway, as best as my knowledge at the time. But I think it's probably opening a lot of people's eyes to the real Michael Jordan, which... That's that's pretty much all I knew he was anyway, you know. I
0: did not know that you'd been to the United Centre in 1997. How did that come about?
1: Uh, I went with uh, a friend of mine and I I booked the tickets through a company, which I I don't think exists anymore, but it was a company called Dedicated to Sport. And it was, the holiday was nine nights in Chicago with two game tickets and, uh, and the flights there and back. And it was something ridiculously low, something like 750 quid for the whole lot and it was we went to see Bulls uh what was the Washington Bullets at the time now the Washington Wizards and they had Chris Webber people like that you know uh which the Bulls won that one and then the second game was Bulls Houston at the time if you remember the Houston Rockets had a large one Barkley Drexler a loaded squad so we saw a lot of Hall of Fame players a lot of great great players albeit from quite far at the back of the stadium but it was still the United Centre nonetheless.
0: That sounds incredible. I've somehow managed to know you for five
1: or six years and not know that you'd done that. <laughs> oh, no. That's because you're so much older than me, Rob, that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could remember Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain a lot. more. <laughs> <laughs> Would I
0: be right in thinking that had I known you at the time, it, I probably wouldn't have heard about anything else for a little while? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. No, mate, it, it was awesome, mate. It, was, it really was awesome. But I was still, I was young at the time. I was, um, I was only 20 when I went, so... It was quite an eye-opening experience wandering around the streets of Chicago with a friend of mine, and we were very naive, if I'm honest. You know, there were a few things we, you know, places we probably shouldn't have gone, and we were very lucky to to, to come away unscathed. But uh, but no, it was a, it's a lovely place. It was very very cold. We went in January, so it was it was like wind chill coming off uh, Lake Michigan was like minus thirty five degrees or something stupid like that. But superb experience, mate. Really was.
0: And if that was when you were twenty, that's obviously you've only been playing basketball a couple of years by then. So you were still fairly new.
1: Yeah, absolutely to playing yeah.
0: the game, if not as a fan.
1: Absolutely, and I, I, I sort of just recognised the opportunity to. I wanted to see these guys play. I knew they were never going to come over to Europe and play any games, and if they were, exhibition games aren't fantastic, are they? You know. So, and it was a case of not going to get to see any playoff games. So let's just choose a couple of close regular season games, which ought to be quite good. Uh, there was another one when they played in between that. At, uh, they played at Minnesota, uh, where we went and watched the game in Michael Jordan's restaurant. So we sat at the bar with a 25-foot screen behind the bar and watched that game. That was the game when Dennis Rodman kicked the cameraman. I don't know if anyone's aware of that, but uh, those who are with me will remember that one.
0: It will probably be in The Last answer at some point. There you go. So have you got a favourite five? Um, NBA all time. A starting five of NBA players? All time, you can't just pick the 97 balls. (laughs) All time starting five by position, all time starting five. Yeah, let's do five. I hate it when you do these things and people go, All right, well, I have Durant, James, Jordan,
1: Brian, and yeah, and Steph Curry. I I know you mean, uh, all time. Well, do you only get offense or (laughs) defense? Um, a combination, I suppose. You need both. You need both to win a championship. Okay, yeah, I'll go... Uh, well, you've got to go Magic Johnson at point guard. Anyone who says Steph Curry... No, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, Michael Jordan at shooting guard. I'd probably go... I'd probably go Kareem at centre. Centre's a difficult one because you've got, obviously, Shaq in his heyday, early 2000s, and you've got a larger one, people like that. But i probably have to go... Probably have to go Kareem. I hate to say it. i will probably have to go LeBron James at small forward. Probably Larry Bird or um, Tim Duncan at power forward.
0: That sounds pretty good to me, I mean... It,
1: yeah. Uh, I think... They're not losing, mate. They're not losing.
0: They're probably not. I might, I might go Duncan and Bird. And leave yeah. Stuff, but that's, uh, that's probably... That's more
1: subjective. forward what's difficult. I know the, the youngsters today all love LeBron, but it's about how they would all fit in together, isn't it, as well, so I suppose. But um, LeBron just needs the ball so much, doesn't he? Exactly. We say all
0: do, I suppose. But. <laughs> all right. so um, NBA covered. We're clear, clearly, you're, you're a, an NBA fan growing up from before you were even playing basketball yourself. But you guys obviously grew up, you and Nick grew up at a time where there wasn't an IBC-style club in, in the area for mm-hmm. kids to play junior basketball. So how long were you playing kind of on a hoop in the garden before you got a team to join?
1: Uh, well, actually, strangely enough, when I... We played in the garden for, for probably a couple of years um, with our mates and stuff like that. Great, great times in those, those days. But then I um, we started actually going to train. Again, this is Nick before Nick started playing, but um, we started to go and train at Cobblestone with uh, Gainsborough. Oh Christ, I think it was just Gainsborough Basketball Club, a local league club, and they trained at Cobblestone. And then from then, we then realised that, Holbrook Eagles that were there and they had a local team. So me and my mates all joined there and, and uh, just ended up staying there. But there was no local, uh, National League in those days. There was, no, there was nothing in Ipswich. And even in those days, I'm not even sure there was anything in Colchester at that age. Because when Nick grew up, uh, he was steered towards Colchester to buy Garth Claim. But when, we, when I was younger, there was no, no National League. So myself and my friends never even had the option of playing National League.
0: How far do you reckon you could have gone if you played junior National League basketball? Because I've heard on the grapevine, I've heard that you were quite talented as a basketball player.
1: Uh, I, it's, it's impossible to say, Rob. It's, it's nice of you to say, mate, but I was, um, do you know, I've never been coached in my life, ever. So Uncoachable, I would have <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I don't know, so you, you were just playing off your 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 bad habits you picked up on the, on the playground, so to speak. But, you know, it's... Oh, it's impossible to say. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even like to say, mate. But without ever being coached, because we've all seen that uh, at that, um, Ipswich, the the difference between kids who have a, even just a year's worth of coaching, the difference it can make to their game and their confidence, and having never had that, it's impossible to say how it would have um, affected me in any way. Do you know what I mean? But um, I certainly would have loved the opportunity, and you know? I would have loved. Uh, uh, I certainly would have had the dedication. But um, you know, it wasn't to be. But uh, you know, that's fine. Something we have in common there because I didn't absolutely,
0: have a yeah, Cup absolutely. to play for until I
1: was about eighteen years old. So, yeah, uh, it, experience. And by then, mate, the problem is you've sort of, like I say, you're sort of in bad habits. That sounds a terrible thing to say, doesn't it? But if you're, you know, taking fall-away jump shots in the local league or something, you you can't, you don't do that in National League, did do you? Do you? Know what I mean? So it's, and it's tough to then get out of that. I'm not saying it's impossible. Of course, it's not. But it's tough to then get out of those uh, of those bad habits.
0: So in the absence of junior basketball, you and Nick grew up playing in the back garden, presumably
1: playing on a, an outdoor hoop? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes scaffolding. We would have, um, my dad had some scaffolding, which he borrowed off someone, which had a ladder. <laughs> and we, we took the, the, the ladder, made the scaffolding so it was dunkable height. Get this, we sellotaped with massive amount of tape, a bit of wood at the top of the, the ladder. So it made a square hoop. And then, and then the scaffolding would hang out and then we'd just go up and throw this thing down. And of course it was strong as hell because it was on scaffolding. But when my dad did give it back to, the, to his mate, it was all bent and knackered. So uh, we weren't <laughs> so, very busy.
0: So many health and safety warnings. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So who usually won? Come on, this is the question I was
1: trying to get to. Well, between me and Nick? Yeah. Um, well, we usually played two on two with a couple of mates and um, we would always beat them. He was obviously a bit younger. And the sides probably weren't completely fair, looking back. But you know, it wasn't going to give him any advantage, was I? So, uh, but we used to used to I used to physically beat him up if he was if he started coming close to winning a game. It would be you know not allowed. If you know what I mean. So whether it be pushing into the wall or <laughs> an elbow here or a trip up or just a sometimes fisticuffs. You know what I mean? But um, God, those are the days.
0: <laughs> and that was under the scaffolding, was not it?
1: Uh, yeah, no, that was on a proper hoop, but not in a gym. That was at the, that we'd moved on from the scaffolding at that point. But uh, that's probably why, um, you know, he, he's quite tough on people these days with his coaching styles. perhaps. I don't know. But uh, because he wasn't allowed an inch playing with not just me, but some of the friends as well, who he's still friends with. Don't get me wrong. But because um, he was the youngest, he was uh, certainly not, not given any leeway at all. It was, it was tough, but it was good fun. But it, it, was, it was really... We were hard on him. There's no question about that. But you know, if that's if that's helped him later in life, then it was it was it was for you know it was well worth it. But you know, we did always beat him.
0: But eventually, like we said earlier, you get the chance to go and play for Holbrook Holbrook Eagles in the Suffolk, well, in the Suffolk League or
1: in the Essex yeah, League. Yeah, Suffolk League. What was the first experience like of playing organised basketball? Good fun. Uh, yeah, um, but there was a there was we was coached by Garth McLean, um, and there was a group of older players for Holbrook. Who were decent players, but they were, um, and they were, do you know what they were like? My friends, but they were twenty years down the line. They were. They had their little clique, if you know what I mean, and they and they wanted to keep playing together as long as they could. And of course, we had to sort of wait our turn, and we had to wait on the bench, even though we knew we probably should have been playing some minutes. Um, but we respected the fact that they were the old guard. Do you know what I mean? And then, of course, they all retired together, or you know, stepped away. So then it was suddenly. Going from not playing much to suddenly we were all like this is your your team now, and, then, and what I actually did is when they left, um, I think the club was was probably going to fold, and because no one was going to because they were all living together, and so me and Nick stepped up and said, well we we, we can't let this happen, so we we took over Holbrook Eagles, uh, and I suppose it was one fiftieth of running Ipswich Basketball Club, but it, it was it was sort of training in a way for what goes on now i guess on a very very small scale so
0: you went from not playing and sitting on the bench to suddenly being in charge yeah
1: yeah (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) well obviously um,
0: given what you do now you must have enjoyed your first taste of running a basketball club but um, (laughs) how did you find that at the time quite an adjustment
1: absolutely um and i think it was like the first year none of our results counted or something because we, we hadn't got our registration fees in in time and stuff like that but it was, we still played the games but um it went from being doing nothing and all these older guys doing the secretarial work and the treasury work to suddenly between us we were all having to do everything uh which is like i say compared to now is is uh, is nothing but it was still a taster of the responsibility of what it's like to to run a, any sports club not just a basketball club
0: you obviously, in the end, were involved with Holbrook for quite a long time. And it's yeah. a club that shared a good deal of names with Ipswich Basketball over the last decade or so.
1: Yeah, uh, it was um, over the years, We it was, it was my same group of mates. And obviously a few others came and joined and, uh, and came and left over the years, I should say. One of, notable name, of course, was uh, after a, a few years of us running, it was, was Nick Newman, because he used to play for Nacton which is another local league club and they folded and he didn't want to stop playing. At the time Nick would have been I guess he would have been about thirty five. And he phoned us up and said, You're the only other club I'd like to play for. So he and and of course he played for us till he till he stopped playing himself, which obviously now he's in his fifties. So uh yeah we've seen, so we we sort of went from little Holbrook Eagles to suddenly a lot of the players, and of course Pab was there as well in those days, to then going on and a uh, I sort of stayed back for many, many years because I was enjoying still playing, even well, even though I wasn't any good at that stage. It was still being around the guys and still being out of train and stuff like that, whereas Nick and Nick Newman and that went off and went on to bigger and better things.
0: What was it like watching the build-up of Ipswich Basketball Club as obviously your brother got things started over there and got to the point of starting the academy and junior programs?
1: It was quite, it's quite something really because obviously I've been to, I think every end of season do Ipswich basketball club have had since Nick's been involved, obviously. And watching uh, the progression of the club is a good way of telling how well it's moving on is, is by seeing the end of season dinner. And I remember those days when it was not many there and it was done in a small hall or or bar and to where it is now when we got 250 people there. So, Nick has, and, he, and the people he's been running the club with over the years have really progressed that uh, fantastic rate. And to see where he came from in terms of just running little old Holbrook Eagles with me is um, was quite something, you know. So, But, yeah, it's, it's been quite magnificent to watch the growth of the club and going from running one silly little local league club <laughs> to running multiple teams within a bigger umbrella, under a bigger umbrella than... You know, it, it's quite something. But obviously, he's had years of training now, hasn't
0: he? Yeah, absolutely, he has, yeah. And I guess it's become almost second nature, sort of running that structure. He obviously has, has got you more involved over the last three or four years. Um, yeah. I don't want to talk about, obviously, the minutiae of being a club chairman because that could be quite a dull podcast. But <laughs> um, what inspired you to get more involved with the club and take more of
1: an active role? I was uh, sort of winding down my Holbrook Eagles days and Nick sold it to me as look the legacy of Holbrook Eagles is really Ipswich Basketball Club because so many uh, sorry Holbrook players have gone on to Ipswich Uh, and he was right to a a degree so um, and of course the founders of Holbrook Eagles, uh, Garth and Bernard were also heavily involved or have been over the years with Ipswich Basketball Club so it did seem right, and when it got to the point when I thought, well, literally, I'm not actually enjoying playing anymore because you get to that stage when you get old, and uh, and I come on boarders with Dave Williamson, Sportsman East, as a management team for the for the men's team, handling finances and stuff like that, uh, and it just went on from there, and it's just slowly growing each year, the amount you get involved, I guess. And four or five years now, I've been involved as a member of the committee and now as
0: chairman what have been some of the high points for the club in that time
1: the one that springs to mind uh is the year i when i took over from catherine um two and a half years ago i think it was now when the women were going undefeated and winning everything in the cup final it was that was just they'll never experience anything like that again and i don't know if as a club we will even though it was not quite the level they're playing at now it was still an amazing achievement um seeing the men's team do spectacularly well. Even then, when they had a, a dip of a couple of years, it's it, seeing them climb back up again this year was 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 lovely. And seeing probably probably seeing my son play, uh, and even when he was under twelve, winning winning an award there. So yeah, I think there are probably three that sh- which leap to mind straight away, mate.
0: So you've had the journey now from basketball fan playing in the back garden, playing local league for a number of years, running a club. And now you're getting to watch Charlie's, like you say, play for IBC at a junior level. Mm-hmm. What's that like? What's that experience like as a fan and as a parent watching your son play basketball?
1: It's great. Um, I try not to, when I'm watching games, uh, well, for a start, I say to him, I'm not going to come to all their weight games at the moment because I think it's, it's good for him to sometimes be, uh, know that he's just there with the team. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, I think sometimes the parents, there can be a distraction for the children. But on the sideline, watching games, at home games, it's been fantastic. And it's sometimes tough to bite your tongue and, and not shout instructions. But I, I never want to step on the toes of any of the, the coaches. But all you need to do is, you know, to hype yourself up, you need to sit next to Rich Lidmore for five minutes and, and that'll get anyone hyped up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It must be, I'd imagine it's times like that that inspire you the most for my next question, but yeah. have you ever thought about sitting on the other side of the floor and, and doing some coaching for
1: the club yourself? Yes, I have, but I hate to, to I know you use the, the, the old classic excuse, which you've probably heard a thousand times, but it's knowing what amount of time I can give up, and I wouldn't want to do it if I could, couldn't go all in, does that make sense? um yeah, that's completely fair yeah i don't know if everybody knows there's others who are in exactly the same boat as me and i know there's others who have done it for a year and then realized the amount of commitment and thought you know i'm gonna to have to step away again and i wouldn't want to do it and have to do that do you know what i mean and that's not certainly not knocking anyone who's done that i would just i was going to do it. i'd like to get go all in and at the moment i just i just can't can't commit to that rob i'm afraid because I'm
0: I would imagine a lot of people around the club know this, but you do obviously run your own business at the same time as yeah being chairman yeah. of IBC. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which, again, I know other people do as well, and it's certainly um, not meaning to insinuate I'm busier than anybody else or anything like that. It's just uh, the boy, both of my boys do other things as well. So we, we find ourselves chasing around, as a lot of parents do, from various clubs, not just Ipswich Basketball Club, to other things they do. And before you know it, you just never get a chance to 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 sit down yourselves and 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 I think that's something that I would if I did something like that now it would potentially put even more strain on your time as certainly wouldn't it
0: absolutely so with the the family links obviously that you've got um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not just Charlie but Nick as well yeah but with your responsibilities to the club and with the great deal of time that you've spent around the club what is it that you think makes Ipswich basketball special uh,
1: it's it's definitely the, the 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 family atmosphere I know it's the um, the motto, if you like, of the club now. But it definitely is that. There's some absolutely fantastic people around the club who are now become great, great friends as well, and who I really enjoy seeing every week. And I hope to, to be able to see them for many years to come. I hope that they'll be around the club for years to come. But um, that, that would definitely be it for me. It's the the nice, family friendly environment that everyone seems to know each other. And if you don't, you can get to know them very easily. Uh, rather than it's uh, even though we are a big club and as Nick will tell you one of the top in the country in terms of members I think but it's still managed to keep that small town atmosphere and that's what I think it's, it's really special about it and I think the um, anyone who visits the club thinks exactly the same thing
0: I know as a coach when you're coaching specifically in the junior side of the programme I think when you're coaching against teams from London or Manchester or Birmingham mm. there's a great deal of pleasure in being that kind of perennial underdog just because we come from a
1: small town in South Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Despite the reputation of Ipswich Basketball Club, I think we still are underdogs a lot of the time in, in probably a lot of the um, age groups. And that's nothing wrong with that. You know, you've got to accept that when you're playing against Manchester or Sheffield or London, one of the various teams from those places, you, you probably are going to be the underdog, are not you, Bob?
0: And one of the many ways that you've been involved in the club over a number of years now is helping to put together some fundraisers, some of the biggest fundraisers that we do. So you run the triathlon every um, autumn. And also yeah. now I know that you're involved, um, along with myself and others, in organising the Golf Day. Yeah. Just tell us about the importance of events like that to the running of a of a basketball club that is a charity at the end of the day.
1: They're hugely important. Um, the Golf Day is always a great day out. It's good that you can invite corporate sponsors or potential corporate sponsors as well um and that, that's good because it's aimed at the non-basketball players if you like you know you're the, the other parents or even parents friends um the triathlon has always been it's a big event but it, it's always been quite a good earner uh, and again successful i think as well because it's not just aimed at the people at the club it's people outside the club we're aiming at to, to try and raise the money but you're right rob with, without these events and that and of course the the quiz nights that go on throughout the year that are hugely successful as well. Uh, the club would would really struggle to run, and because this the money is spread across the entire club, and it would just mean basically that you'd have to have huge fees for all the players. I, I guess you know because there wouldn't be uh, you don't hardly get any grants coming in. Um, so they do make a massive difference to the day to day running of the club.
0: So let me finish up with this. If I was to give you. One pair of basketball tickets tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Let me say I can give you a choice. I'm going to give you a pair of tickets to go and watch a ball's game at the United Centre. Yep. Or I can give you a pair of tickets to go and watch an Ipswich basketball team in a national final. Which one are <laughs> you
1: taking? What Bulls team are we talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be contemporary, wouldn't it? I, I I can give you basketball tickets. I can't help you time travel.
1: Ah, well, the Bulls suck. So without question, the... Uh... It would be Ipswich Basketball Club. No, jokes aside, it would be, I would, I would go and watch Ipswich in a final over any NBA team right now. That's where, you know, where my heart is right now. Obviously, years ago, it was very different for me, but then you changed, don't you? That was, that was a long time ago for me. But yeah, Ipswich through and through, mate. I think
0: in the cup final, you've got to support them. And of course, I would assume it's more fun getting to be involved in a club that's in your sport, in your local area, and with your family running it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, it, I think it works. Um, I, had, I had my reservations, if I'm honest, Rob, because I thought, well, me and Nick will clash a lot, which we do, behind closed doors. But that also works in the sense of brothers can clash and there's no hard feelings, you know. Um, there's no question he, he knows what he's doing with the club. So, no, it's, I, I do really enjoy it. There are times that obviously it's, it's tough, But I think we could all say that, couldn't we? You know, there's there's definitely definitely times when we all think, crumbs, I'd like to, you know, I'm too busy, I'd like to do something else, or I'm, you know. But all in all, it's been
0: great fun. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. And we certainly hope that you're going to be around for a long time to come, son.
1: Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, mate.
0: Thank you very much for coming on the Ipswich Basketball Podcast and talking to
1: us this evening. Thanks again, mate. Cheers, Rob. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, buddy.